What's going on? What's going on? Welcome to another episode of the Love God Love Sex Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Heath. What's good, everybody? It's Jamie. Yeah. Check us out on our socials, TikTok, YouTube, at Love God Love Sex, Google uh, Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, at Love God Love Sex Pod, also at Love Sex God's Love God Love Sex Pod for uh, TikTok and YouTube. And go ahead and hit that subscribe button. If you're on TikTok, follow. Let's get into today's topic because it's hot and piping. <laughs> off the press. Hot off the press. I have a question. Why are so many amazing, brilliant women single? Now, we've talked about this before in some iteration of Nice Girls Finish Last, and we're going to bring another woman on, Dr. Regina Langley, to talk about Nice Girls Revisited, but just felt an imperative and a natural flow in our conversation that Jay and I, Jay and I were having online offline rather, and wanted to talk about it here. Why are so many women single? And the challenge I have is this, there seems to be a bias when people talk about women and women being single, where there's an immediate criticism of their behavior or lack thereof in being able to keep and retain a man. These women are too combative. These women are too masculine. These women, these women, these women, these women. And what I'm saying is there are biases that we have about men and they also need to equally be addressed. But the challenge I have when people critique women, especially single women, they always seem to put the standard down for why they are single and why they aren't good enough or doing enough to be single, which I find to be highly problematic, especially when the data is showing that by 2030, we're getting to large numbers of women being single. I liken it to some of the throwaway excuses that you constantly hear behind phenomena, easy catch-alls or phrases that people use, right? When all these black people are being lynched, it was, the reason was all of them are, ra are raping white women. And we're going to have to blank out the word rape on, on TikTok, but you guys get what I'm saying. Now, uh, with other instances, uh, when there was other groups being attacked, there's always a catch-all behind there, right? They're stealing all the money. We see in the rise of anti-Semitism, we see that it's, it's, it's uh, Jewish people who are stealing our money, controlling our currency and controlling media when there was a spike in anti-Asian hate. Oh, they're spreading the coronavirus. They're bringing disease. There's always these catch-alls that people use when they have these biases and when they have hate in their heart or a targeted agenda to control a population, they use these blanket statements and these blanket phrases as a way to excuse or to explain, quote unquote, why they're getting this negative behavior, why, you know, uh, a lot of Jewish folks are being targeted, why a lot of Asian folks are being targeted, why there was a lot of black men and black women being targeted with lynchings. This is a, a constant trope I see. And now I see being applied to single women. I'm not saying they're on the same single women issues on the same level as anti-Semitism or the same level of anti-blackness or anti-Asian hate. What I'm saying is there is a consistent narrative that is pushed and done when you want to blanket and cover up and control a population and it's just wash, rinse, repeat, and it's happening with single women. Mm. Um, come on, come on. Keep that same energy. <laughs> no, I mean, you, you set it up like that, but I don't really feel like that was the conversation we were having. What was but, the conversation? But, to say the conversation we was having. Because I, 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 was, I, I was essentially just trying to say because we, 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 you started out talking about, I don't understand it. And you mentioned how it's happening to all of these amazing women. Mm -hmm. and, and my statement was to kind of convey like, just as amazing as they are, 
at least the ones you were talking about that I know, <laughs> I've also seen their darker side in terms of how they move with men. And I can just understand <laughs> why they're single. Now, this is not to say that's a criticism on them or it's just their fault or they are the reason and the cause why their relationships aren't working out. I'm just saying in the same way you would apply accountability to one party or one side, just one the accountability has to be applied to the other in this regard. And I, I agree. do know some women who are very, very amazing. And we, we started to talk about this in the red pill community. They, they make this argument, right? Women who, who exhibit a lot of masculine traits is great for when they're trying to climb the corporate ladder. Like that's wonderful in those instances, but men will say when they try to do that at home and it clashes with my natural masculinity, that's what has a problem. That's what makes me run away. That's what makes me feel like she's not my piece and I don't want to be a part of this. And the women that you were talking about that I know who are wonderful, I've seen some of them do that. So I was just saying, I know that they're wonderful in certain scenarios and, and some of, like more of their great characteristics and traits shine and thrive in, in different circumstances. But I've also seen the darker side of that. And I can understand why some of them don't have a good dude. And that's fine because we all know people where you could look at their character flaws or just look at a particular part of their personality and say, this is holding you back. This is holding you back in the workplace. This is holding you back in your local community organization where you want to get involved and maybe become a leader. This is holding you back in your relationship. Totally open to that. The challenge I have is that in the red pill community, women's flaws are the reason why they shouldn't have something. Since when? In God's green earth, should anyone not have anything because of their character flaws when all right. we've seen in the American history, people with glaring character flaws still receive their best and be entitled to the best? We could talk about presidents of the United States. We could talk about going back to our ancestors, slave masters, and still being lauded and praised as good Christian men. Everyone gets to have their redemption story except these single women in the red pill community because at the moment they don't act right, the moment they suck one too many dicks, the moment they open their legs for one too many dudes, they are now not entitled to having yeah. a loving, caring relationship with a man and have long-term happiness. I find that to be problematic. And what I've always told you is I'm not one who's understanding or necessarily toting the, the line about sin and this concept of sin. But what I do find to be sinful is when you get involved in someone's redemption stories, I don't have the right to say who gets to go to heaven or who gets to go to hell in the afterlife or in this life. I don't get to determine because a woman is 50 pounds, 60 pounds overweight, and she ends up with a guy who's six foot five, 225 pounds of pure grit and muscle, drives a muscle car, has money out the wazoo, and now wants to dote and spend this time with the woman. And then people turn around and say, well, that woman doesn't deserve that man. Who says who gets what? Because life isn't about deserves because that's what they'll turn around and say, right? Men, it's not about deserves. Work hard. You got to fight. You got to strive. You got to grasp that brass ring and bring it down. And it's all yours. So if it's not about deserves, then why are you applying deserves to women? If it's not about deserves, why are you applying deserves in this situation, in this scenario? And this is the constant double standard that I see in the red pill community. 
And it's not even about critiquing women because no one's above critique. So critique the women in your cipher, critique the women in your family, critique the women in your community, people you have relationships with. You critique me all the time and I critique you. We have a relationship. There's nothing wrong with that, especially if you have a relationship. The challenge I have is that you lay down these double standards where you make it very difficult or even impossible for someone to live a redemptive life, a life of love, and you're interfering with love. That to me is sinful. And that's the constant issue I have when we talk about this single woman issue. It's not even talking about demographics. We're not talking about reproductive habits. We're not even talking about larger data sets where we can actually interface with and talk about this problem from a macro sociopolitical level. We start criticizing and going down to the level of let's talk about women and their behaviors. Let's talk about women and how they don't have the right mentality. Their mindset is off. They're too masculine. And then if they're too masculine, then on the other side where they're too feminine and they're not going after it. And that's why they're susceptible. If their man dies, they don't have insurance. They can't feed themselves. There's always another criticism there instead of just talking about what's going on in society. Even if you want to take it from that era, because there are, there are people in social science researchers who are doing this work. So I have a problem that you just boil it down. And if I talk about reparations, you talk about a, a black person who stole a, a pocketbook that you once met two years ago in Arizona. Give a fuck about that. No one cares about right. that. If yeah. I start talking about interracial relationships between a black person and a white person and you start critiquing, oh, well, I know this white person who did this thing to their black spouse. Okay. What does that to do? That doesn't mean interracial relationships shouldn't be abounding that there are black people who can't marry white people, black women who can't marry black men or black men who can't marry white men and vice versa and even different ways of the rainbow. I just think these are just really bad arguments people are making and they're coming down hard on women. And that's the issue I have. And I do hear some arguments where there are double standards applied to men. We could talk about that all day and twice on Sunday, but this in particular, if there's an issue with single women, there's an issue and that's all it is. It doesn't need to be split. It doesn't need to be, you know, open up the Dutch and get the, get the stuff out. And then you pump it in your own herbs and spices. So you could smoke what you, what you thinking. I mean, I just think if if we're talking about if the conversation about is about single women, then all the critiques, all the praises, all of the favorable and unfavorable narratives are going to come out about that group, because that's what we're talking about. <clears throat> so, I mean, if if you ask me, why are all these women single? I mean, I wouldn't have one answer for you. No, I, I don't think, think it is one answer. I don't think I agree. with Yeah. You. And I, I would agree with you on that. I mean, I think. To, to just boil it down to criticisms about them to just say or to just call out their faults or their hand in that's causality. That's a that's an issue for sure. Um, I on 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 the regular, I normally don't hear guys just be like <clears throat> the reason why they're single is because it's their fault. They don't really phrase it like that. That's not the conversation I hear. It's just more so like situationally, they'll they'll say I was dealing with this girl and, you know, I, I had to make a decision about some overtime at work so I could have some extra dough or going to see her. And I was just like, I tried to tell her, hey, hey, listen, uh, I got a chance to get some extra money, earn some extra bread, pay down some debt. I'm really kind of on that right now. I know we were supposed to hang out on Friday, but my boss just offered these hours like I want to take it. 
And it's like the girl will be calling them selfish and all these other things. And like, you not you don't have no integrity because you did lot. You said you were going to do this and now you're doing something different. And they're just like, I didn't find that peaceful or supportive at all. So that's why, you know, I feel like women are single. Now, I think to your point, when you try to apply that to all women and say women are not peaceful and not supportive, that's an issue. So you can give it as an example and say why, you know, this woman might be single in your cipher. Like you said, you could critique those women, but to try to apply that to a whole community, that's when it becomes an issue. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, you're going to find cases where people acted unethically, immorally, or just plain batshit crazy. <laughs> or just, just not what you wanted them to do. And that's okay. Like, they they have agency over themselves. They can do that. They, they don't owe you. They don't have any moral obligation to you. Even if y'all are together, I know people like to say, you know, you become one. But this person is still an individual, and their time is still their time. Now, obviously, my if you if you guys don't have any children, because then your time be, you know belongs to the children and the family. Mm-hmm. But it's like if, if both of y'all are individuals and y'all have plans, and they decide at last minute because for whatever reason this is more important to them, that's not for you to take offense to. It's not for you to think something must be wrong with me because they decided to do this other thing for whatever reason that they have. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you're going to come up in situations or situations will occur where somebody just doesn't do what you want them to do, but that's not cause for them to be the bad guy or the villain. You know what I mean? Yeah. No one should be labeled or hunted down in their relationship, or at least feel that way that they're being labeled or hunted down because they're making a decision, especially if they're taking time out of the day and approaching, you know, for example, in your example hey listen i know we said we could but if we could do this we can just reschedule and we can make it better now if y'all had a plan to go to tahiti and tickets were purchased and the hotel was booked and you pulling that that's obviously someone's gonna get upset i I mean come on i mean someone's gonna get upset you talk about eight eight extra hours we talk about a whole flight yeah a whole whole week and a half yeah right you know, we, we were going with friends or we were going just me and you. That's a different scenario. And that's the issue is there is no common sense in these conversations. It's all extremism. We use extremism to negotiate our position when we know that many of the instances we're describing are probably not as extreme as we're making it out to be. But we set up the extreme position so that we can convince people that women are bad or men are bad. And there is just more nuances to those conversations that need to be mastered and need to be managed. Oh, for sure. Very layered, very nuanced conversation. I mean, I think any conversation about, you know, life or dynamic between the sexes, between the genders is is nuanced. And I think a lot of times, to your point, people try to boil it down to very surface things that don't move the conversation forward and bring a lot of the solutions that, you know, you and I promote or want to talk about or get into or, you know, because people are just, I think a lot of people now just want to be heard. And, and for whatever reason, the way the news is, you know, they say, if it, if it bleeds, it leads in the news. That's Mm kind of how, you know, the tone and tenor of people's conversation nowadays, if it's not fraught with offense or somebody having a reason to clap back or get mad or shots fired, it's like, you can't even have a, a conversation without that being at the tone and tenor. 
So it's like we really need to start fostering more just dialogue and conversation that's not about debates and not about retorts and rebutting someone's point. And it's like we need to lead more with understanding. And, and, and like you always talk about, using both your ears instead of your one mouth. Absolutely. For sure. And what just, I guess, really angers me about this approach is the idea that things have to be equal in order to study a problem. So what I was saying offline before we even started recording is, okay, yes, there are biases against men and there's biases against women. There's biases against white people, there's biases against black people. But to deny 500 years of data, for example, in the case of black people and white people, where black people are more vulnerable to the incarceral complex, they're more vulnerable to institutional biases and discrimination, whether you're dealing with government agencies or non-governmental private agencies, all that has been shown to be factual through numerous studies, research, and even anecdotal experiences. And so, yes, we still should talk about prejudices or issues people have against white people that are full of hate or full of nonsense, I would say nonsensical ideologies. But when we talk about making policy changes and we say, well, we're going to privilege or lift up this voice of black people because of what's been happening, now all of a sudden things have to be treated equally. Well, the problem is not equal. Biases are equal, prejudice is equal, but these larger systemic issues, this systemic racism is not equal. What are you gonna do about that? And that brings me back to the single woman issue. If there's, we are saying data-wise, and I was just looking this up while you were speaking as I was listening, you know, 40 studies predict 45% of women will be single by 2030. That's a problem. Now, that doesn't mean that those biases against men aren't issues. And there may be comparable issues going on with men that are, are predictive factors that need to be managed as well. We have a larger issue with men being lonely. We have a large issue with men not being able to socialize. And we have a large issue with men not seeing, not being able to, to get jobs and be healthy and stay, stay with jobs. So there's stuff that needs to be there. But if I say studies predict that 45% of women will be single by 2030 and I want to talk about that issue, here comes, well, we need to be equal in, in those conversations. Well, where's to be equal in this? This is the, obviously the salient problem being discussed right now. Why does that have to now be a, uh, what, why do we have now have to have this conversation about equality when most people, Tom, you don't want to talk about equity or quality anyway. What is that all about? That's the issue I have. And I, to me, I just see it as a move to sp take the spotlight off of an issue in a group that most people, especially people in the red pill community and some pockets of men's groups, even some pockets of women's groups, find to be, hey, this is not the right thing. This is wrong. We have a problem with these leftists or we have a problem with these data points and they just politicize it. Yeah, that's I mean, I think politicization is always going to be an issue just because, like you said, they deal in the extremes. Um, well, just for a point of clarification, when I talked about the bias before offline, what I was saying was there are favorable bias, there are unfavorable biases towards women just as much as there are favorable ones. That's what I was saying, mm -hmm, not mm -hmm. to compare men and women. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think it has to be equal. Personally, don't feel that way. But I think when you take two people who both feel oppressed for whatever reason, and you tell one of them that theirs means more than the other, 
the other person is just going to feel slighted, period. It doesn't matter that there's 400 years of data around their, this other group's oppression and it's not for this. If this person feels that and that's where they are right now, that's their salient point. You know what I'm saying? So that, I don't think we have to stop one for the other to keep going. I just feel like, like you said in the other episode, like there has to be one tide that, that lifts all boats. And I don't know that, again, segmenting one person's bias or one group's bias is going to do anything for that well-rounded conversation. Now, I understand that it needs to happen, that can, that conversation can, needs to continue to happen because there are women who feel like because they're women, they're, you know, discriminated against in this kind of way, in a specific kind of way. And that being their cause and what's important to them, they do need to talk about it. And as members of society, we do need to listen. But I think when you tell other people that you need to listen to their cause more than your own, they're not going to want to go with that. Unfortunately, I mean, I wish everybody had the heart to just say, you know what, let me forget about myself right now and prioritize other people. And if everyone was doing that for everyone, then, you know, we wouldn't have an, an issue with all of the stuff that people are going through. But even for me, I can listen to members of the Jewish community talk about the rise in anti-Semitism and not let go of anti-Blackness, the conversations about reparations or any of the conversations about systemic racism or discrimination. Just because you're talking about your pain doesn't necessarily mean my pain go away. If you talk about the day you fell off your uh, your bike and then all of a sudden, well, hold on, hold on, one time I hit my skateboard, who does that? I, I don't understand that. People talk about their specific types of cancers that impact their family and their family's lives. All of a sudden, someone now with an immunity disease, you know, someone maybe with AIDS, for example, has to show up and insert themselves in the conversation. I just think this is crazy, crazy making. We don't do it in other phases of our lives, yet we do it when we talk about some of these social political categories that we occupy. Because ultimately, I believe that anytime we talk about changing or impacting or enhancing or improving the lives of people in these historically oppressed social political categories, even the poor, even people in lower classes, right? We call it class warfare then that potentially upsets the social order and everybody starts to feel uncomfortable. So we use these narratives and we use, the, use these rhetorical techniques to start to chip away and to start to get up on stage and pull the spotlight away from the issue so that no one wants to resolve it. We could just wallow in sympathy for that particular group. And I think this is just something that we do as you know, Americans. And I've seen it done over and over again in conversations. We get rankled. We get angry. You know, the hairs on our neck stick up and it gets uncomfortable for us, rightfully so. And then we want to attack it and say, well, that's not really an issue. What about this issue over here? When there's just really a salient, prevalent issue that needs to be discussed. And no one's saying if you are... For example, like me, and I'll just take my category, one of my categories, so I probably have over 70. As an African-American male, no one's saying the Af African-American experience and our rich history, which is full of triumph and tragedy, should not be discussed. If you listen to somebody from the Jewish community talk about anti-Semitism or somebody from the Asian community talk about anti-Asian hate, it's just even the fact of listening now is a fact, uh, is, is an act of transgression. No one's saying, I've never heard anyone from these communities say to me, you should put down 
what you're believing in or what you know to be true or the facts or the research that you have and just focus all on mine. I've never heard that. I've, ne I've never heard that in my life. And I've never even heard any women from the feminism community or just women who aren't even feminists who are just representing women's rights because there's women who represent women's rights who may not even represent a, a feminist circle or, or a feminist uh, branch or a branch of feminism. They just talk about women's rights. I've never heard them say that. They talk about mm. their issues and they talk about them being pressing because there are some issues that have been pressing for a very long time. And specifically just to women. And specifically just yeah. to women. Right. And I don't get the immaturity, because that's what I'll call it, when someone from a different group starts speaking, especially when it's about women, and now we have to bring in the, red, the litany of red pill issues. Yeah, no, I'm I'm agreeing with you. I think we we shouldn't have to put one down to uplift another. I'm just saying when you have people from one community who who in not so many words is being told your cause is not as important at this moment. Even if it that's really true. Like if if we really want to move people forward, move the society forward and we were like, "Yo, we as a society society really need to think about how we can prioritize and uplift women so that that there's really equality okay. even if we did that right and people were all about it there are going to be some people mostly men who are going to be like well yo i i feel like i have i don't benefit from the patriarchy i don't see how it really benefits me i don't have these uh these biases that are favorable to me you know what i mean i don't see these double standards working out for me why why should i forget about what i'm going through or or how are you going to tell me that what i'm going through and how i feel in my life experience doesn't mean as much to them i'm not saying that they're right for thinking that way i'm just that's human nature if if both of us come in with a gunshot wound but yours is a shotgun and mine's a 38 who deserves attention first most people would say the person with the shotgun wound but the, I, I still got a gun wound that's hurt and I want to be tended to as well. That's all I'm saying. Buck shot like, or what kind, what kind you of can't shot tell someone outright that what they're going through isn't as important because we're trying to uplift this other group that they're they'll, not they'll tend to you. They'll tend to you. This is what I'm saying. We set up these scenarios where it's like <laughs> one doctor, one trauma center, only one trauma bed. Who's going to get? We always do this in these social political <laughs> conversations. We invent these salon type scenarios. And I say salon harkening back to the 1700s where they would sit and posit these scenarios and talk about the ethics of the land while meanwhile they were enslaving human beings. But they, 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 those are you know noteworthy intellectual exercises to have. And so here we are always in these kind of salon type critiques positing there's only one cracker left and we're both hungry and we just got home and we both worked a full day you on the mines and i was working in the office but i dealt with a lot of emotional <laughs> trauma and stress because someone died and i still had to do their work come on guys come on these 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 again negotiating another way of negotiating from the extremes negotiating from the extremes it does not make I don't any know sense if it's, i don't know if it's extreme to just to just say that's human nature for somebody to want to feel like their cause is just as important as someone no, else no, no that's, that's not what i'm saying extreme i'm saying they we create these scenarios of extremism where we say there's only one cookie and we're both hungry and we need to get a cookie there's always some kind of analogy right, people it, it use be a million, or scenario but, it could be a million but if you're telling someone this group should have access to the lion's share of this million. 
while you wait for the seconds because they have more, they've been oppressed longer or they have more. That's all I'm saying. It's really hard to tell someone who's going through something that their pain and what they're going through isn't as important as someone else's. That's all I'm saying. And I hear you. And what I'm saying is when you look at some of the data being researched, I sent you that Citibank article from 2020 about how the US, United States is losing $16 trillion of value, right? Money. Because there is large swaths of the population, namely black and brown people, black and Latinos, who are not empowered and incentivized properly. Well, they're incentivized, but they're not empowered to take advantage of the system and create value to put back into the system. Whether we talk about discrimination in housing, discrimination in healthcare, discrimination in entrepreneur, um, you know, entrepreneurial endeavors. And I just saw this too on TikTok, how we are sitting on our hands as a country by not empowering black and brown creatives, creators and entrepreneurs, because once we unleash them into the market, it's going to create a tremendous amount of value. But for most people, like I said, it comes back to control and where they're at in the social hierarchy, the way they conceive of it racially. And I believe as far as gender is concerned in this country, that's why they get on stage and yank away the spotlight. They don't feel comfortable having these conversations because it's really not about data as some people make it. Oh, we need data. Well, once you have the data, then they change the scenario to ability and means. And then once you make the picture and show them that ability and means is not an issue, then it becomes something else because they don't want to remove their personal narrative that they have some kind of cachet or power in this quote unquote caste system, if you want to argue, some people argue we don't have a caste system and formal caste, that's fine. But in this hierarchy that we have, people know un that they have power. They'll act like they don't have power that doesn't benefit them, but they wouldn't trade places with the person they're critiquing. Yeah. And by trade places, I don't mean you become a woman and that one. I'm talking about trade the power that they perceive to have in certain scenarios. They wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it. There, there, there are some who wouldn't, and there are some who clearly would. I mean, look, son, son, if, if you got a, a comedian, one of the goats, if you got Dave Chappelle in one of his joints talking about, I know men who have taken on a female persona just to feel safe, that's letting you know that there are some who would trade places. I don't even know what that means. What does he mean by female it, persona? It, he, well, like basically they're dressing in drag or some of them are even transitioning just to feel safe because they feel like it's safer for women on these streets. Now, if you got somebody making jokes about that, I mean, I feel like there's a little truth in just all the time. There are some men who clearly feel like, yo, it's easier for to be a woman out here and they're transitioning. Just like when I hear people saying, what white privilege? What privilege? <laughs> black people have the best they've ever had it. I, I mean, I, I can't argue it. I, I can't argue with that. But I, I do feel like there are men who feel like women have it easier in this world. And, and in that vein, they are transitioning or they're deciding to act like or be like or take on this persona. Whether it's right or wrong for them, they feel like that's what's helping them out or better in their position. So that's what they decide to do. So what's funny is when trans people say that they feel like they're being oppressed or they're being shut out from their bathrooms. We shouldn't talk about feelings, but when other people feel that, you know, blacks or women have more power, they're allowed to be entitled to their feelings. It's, it's, it's just very interesting how there's- how seems feelings to be, work? Feelings. Well, 
Well, it seems to be very interesting how there always seems to be a turn when it's comfortable for that person to make that turn, as opposed to making a turn that's sound and based on data and based on historical understanding and research. I mean, I think they might just be going by the eye test. They might be going by the data that says men are more likely to, to suffer violence at the hands of a man. And they're just like, well, women aren't. So let me be a woman to feel safe. I don't know why they're doing it. I'm just saying I've, clearly there are some who feel like women have it easier. So they're transitioning and becoming. That's all. I can't. I mean, I, I would I can never justify somebody's reasons because I'm not in their head or or you know, the actions that they're actually taking and why I can't really speak on that. I'm just saying, I feel like there are men out here who feel like women have it easier and they're deciding to take on their life to get to reap those benefits. I mean, I would say some people would make the same argument. I don't think it's the same thing, but I think some people would say women did the same thing with quote unquote, trying to occupy the male space in, in corporate, you know what I mean? Or in these higher positions of power, like why would you want to put yourself through? Like I put it like this. If someone were to tell me when I was a kid, yo, if you wanted to do this, if you wanted to be a part of the music industry, you're going to have to do X, Y, and Z. And everything that they named was something that compromised my integrity. You would probably ask, well, why would you still want to be in the music business? Now I think some of these women who I've heard uh, read articles about this, this one lady who did very well in her career later on, she was just like, yo, I wish I didn't dedicate myself to this. I wish I dedicated myself to having a partner in the family. Cause that's what I felt like would have brought me more gratification long-term. If somebody would have told her a guy who may have gone through that, or even a woman who might've went through that, yo, if you really want to be a CEO and you really want to climb the corporate ladder, you're going to have to do X, Y, and Z. And everything that they said compromised their integrity or who they were as a person, you would think they would have been like, actually, I don't want to be that. But people are still choosing to do these things. So I'm just saying, like, whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent, their reasons are their reasons. There are some people, who men, who feel like women have it easier. So they, they wouldn't want to be them. In the same way I've just said, there are some women who feel like men have more power. So they're exercising these masculine traits to get these power positions. And they're not wrong for that because they should occupy those spaces. Just like I can't tell a guy he's wrong for wanting to be, feel safe. So he decides to transition. And on that note. Well, thank you for politics today with Heath and James. Yeah, well, <laughs> thanks for this discussion about uh, the question about why so many single women. Uh, check us out uh, on TikTok, YouTube at Love God Love Sex Pod. Also, check us out at Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts at Love God Love Sex Pod. Also available in the email connect at Love God Love Sex Podcast.net. Always open to show ideas and suggestions and any feedback. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take care. All the single ladies, we love y'all. Peace.